are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. Uh, it's such a good honor and a privilege to be speaking this morning here. Um, I was just sitting in that row there, and uh, I haven't been to Oakmont in quite a bit. I've been up at the mills uh, plugging away every week, and I just was sitting there. I was like, man, I just love this place, and I love these people. I love Oakmont, and I love the people here at Riverside. It's just such an awesome church. What is there? There's no better thing to do on a Sunday morning than to come here and to do what we just did, to worship God and to be together. Am I right? That's so, so awesome. Um, so, yeah, I do love the Bible, and actually what we're going to be talking about uh, is coming from the Bible, is to be expected, because we're in this building. And... Um, but we kind of forget. We forget what the importance is of the Bible. It's not just a typical book. It's not just a normal, it's not a fictional book. It's not just, it's not a normal book. There's, there's something special about this very book. That's why I love it so much. It's a, it's a gift from God. In fact, 2 Timothy three sixteen through 17 says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Let's pray. Um, God, thank you so much for this opportunity to come and to uh, be together and to worship your name, the name that is worth all of our praises. I pray that you would speak to us this morning, even myself, um, through the speaking of your word, that you would challenge us as we're in this sermon series, that you would open our hearts to what you have to say, um, whether we're long, lifelong believers and we're here today, or whether we've never even been in a church before, we don't even know about you at all, God. I pray that you would open our hearts, let us be receptive, and speak through me, help me not to get in the way, but uh, may you be glorified and everything gets done this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. So, we're in this sermon series called Blisters, um, Faith in Action, and it's actually really interesting. I listened to the first message because I was out of town, and uh, the church has really struggled with this. The church has struggled with balancing faith and action. It's unbelievable. It's taken a lot of different names over the centuries and in, within the church. Um, do we just believe in God and not have to do anything? Or do we have to do a lot of things to get into good graces with God and believe in Him? What is this? I don't know how to do this faith and works thing. It's taken on names like legalism, um, where you believe you have to do every single thing in the Bible. It's also ascribed to the word Pharisee or Pharisaical kind of living. It has a nasty kind of connotation to it. Um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was a German theologian around Nazi Germany time, he talked about cheap grace, which is to believe that you can just believe in God and not do anything, and that's not exactly right. And that's also taken on another confusing and big, impressive word called antinomianism, and that is <laughs> where you believe in God and don't really have to work because God's just going to settle everything. But I like Jesus. Um, the big words are cool. In fact, I love theology, so I like the big words. Um, but Jesus was like, you know what? It's really like a tree. That's something we can all wrap our mind around. He said, if you have the life of the tree, with, if you're a tree as a believer, there's life within you that is supposed to bear certain kind of fruit. So faith and works go together. They go together quite naturally and organically like a tree. You have life within you, you have this faith in Jesus, and out from your branches are supposed to come fruit. I love how simple he makes it, right? We can all wrap our minds around that. It's not a one or the other in either or, it's a both and. So there needs to be faith 
And there needs to be action. There needs to be something that comes from that faith. In fact, you can look at what you're doing, and if it's not happening, then you can say, oh, then there might be an issue with the faith. Um, So we're talking about blisters, faith in action. So we're kind of focusing here on what's supposed to happen once you have this faith. And um, so this kind of makes it some early assumptions that if you're here today, um, this message is kind of geared more to a believing Christian. So if you're here today and you don't believe in Jesus and you're, and you're here and a friend brought you here, maybe this is your first time in a church or you're like, kind of like, oh God, I don't know. I just, I was brought here and these people, I don't really fit in here. Well, we're glad you're here. And quite frankly, just sit back and, 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 and listen to what's happening here um, and what we're talking about here. You're probably thinking, wow, these people are a bunch of hypocrites. It's like, yeah, you know, yeah, we are a bunch of hypocrites. We're a bunch of people who come in here, and we know that we're messed up, so we've got to rely on Jesus to get us through. That's where we're at as Christians. Um, so we're all a bunch of messed up people who are trying to work out this thing called faith, and we're doing it with the help of Jesus. So what kind of fruit are we supposed to be bearing as Christians? What kind of fruit is supposed to naturally be coming off of our branches, so to speak. Um, We're going to be talking about one today, and uh, it's words. It has to do with words. Uh, It has to do with when you have this faith within you, out of your mouth is supposed to come something that is life-giving and godly as it associates to your words. Because if there's one thing that we know, and you know this without the Bible even telling you, uh, because it's pretty commonsensical, and that is words have power. Words have a lot of power. Um, take, for instance, and I'm going to milk this for all it's worth, of course. I recently got engaged. It's a miracle and a proof of God in and of itself. Uh, and there's my fiance. I'll put her on the spot right now. Raise your hand. Wave it. Come on. Uh, she's going to hate it. All right, so... Um, the power of words. So we were at Beach Escape, and I don't want to take too much time on this here, but we were at Beach Escape, which is our youth retreat. And uh, I kind of devised this whole plan. I won't give you the whole story, but I basically said to her, oh, I need to go check this gate. We're staying at a state park, and they close this gate at a certain time, so we got to check and make sure it's locked. We go and we do that. And then on the way back, I say to her, oh, you know, on a scale from 1 to 10, how much of an adventure mood are you in? To which she replied a 7. And that, for me, that was as good as an 11. So I was like, all right, let's go. Because uh, we were at a fork in the road. And so we, we, we went straight instead of turning back down the road to get back to our youth camp. She's like, what are we doing? I was like, oh, you know, it was a surprise or whatever. And I will have you know, she's very difficult to surprise. So I went through great effort and thought even to the point of devising, like, fake dates to make her think um, that I would propose. Hopefully none of you, like, think less of me for that. It seems kind of cruel. However, I think that it, it was worth it for the fact that she was surprised. We went to the beach. It's night. It's 1045, something you'd read out of a Nicholas Sparks novel, which is always great. I uh, got down on one knee, and it was the most amazing, exhilarating moment of my life, and I can tell you that she was surprised, because she pulled one of these moves right here. I had her hand, and she was looking off, and I was down on one knee, and she was like, uh, so that was, <laughs> yeah, I, I got her here, but uh, I said all these things and, uh, from my heart, and most of which I can't remember, because I was in a state of bliss and uh, nausea, so... 
Then I said, will you marry me? To which her reply was, yes. It's amazing because it's one simple word, yes. But with that word, one word came a lifetime of change for me. A lifetime of growing together with someone who I would grow old with. I'm getting emotional. It's weird. Um, Very special. One word. You see what kind of word brings emotion. You see what kind of word does to people. So words have power. In fact, the Bible says, I should probably take out my notes at this point. The Bible says, message, paraphrase, words kill, words give life. They're either poison or they're fruit. You choose. And we know this. We know that words have power. You know, I went into English secondary education early on in my educational career post high school. I'm now studying Bible and theology, but I loved words. I read novels and my, my life was being affected by this. So much can be conveyed by words. Wars can start with words. Lives can end with words. New nations can be found with words. Words are powerful. And we see this in Scripture uh, coming to the forefront. They are saying, you got to watch your words. Words have power. And you know this. Some of you have been hurt deeply by words. Words carry a lot of power. So James chapter 3, that's where we're going to be talking today. So if you have your Bibles, please feel free to turn with me. I'm going to have some of the text up on the screen. But if you have your mobile device, you can go to Uversion. Um, I'm preaching out of the uh, NIV translation, but uh, James chapter 3, that's where we're going to be starting. And words have power. That's what we see at the beginning here. And this isn't one of those kind of messages where you're going to be like, oh, you know, I never thought of that. But a lot of the effort that the scriptures make is to make us aware, again, of the fact that words have power. Uh, You need to be aware of this. I need to be aware of this. As Christians, we need to know that words have a lot, a lot of power. James chapter 3, knowing that words have a lot of power, we really need to have this in our minds and in our hearts. We need to magnify the importance of words and not diminish that truth. We need to be in constant awareness of this. So we see the power of the tongue in James 3, 1 through 5. That's where I'm going to start. I'm just going to read it to you. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Teachers use a lot more words, you know. So they're, he's saying, you who use a lot of words, you're going to be judged more strictly because, as you can see, words have a lot of power. Verse 2, we all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. You are perfect if you can completely avoid sinful uh, sinful speech. So again, we can see the power of words here and how you... It's so hard to keep a grasp on what comes out of your mouth and what you say. It's so powerful, the words that come out of your mouth, that it's so difficult to keep such a tight rein on that that you actually have to be perfect to be able to do it. So you're like, okay, let's just hang it up now and leave then. Uh, But no, there's a way. The verse continues. When we put... This is, again, just hammering the truth of the importance of words and the power of words and how it can change the direction of your life just simply by your words. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder whatever the pilot want, wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider 
what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. So again, we see how powerful, and again, we need to have this in our consciousness, in our awareness at all times, that what comes out of our mouth holds, out of our mouths, holds a lot of power, so much so that he's going to great lengths to show this by associating it to a bit that's in a horse's mouth. A tongue in a bit can steer the whole man as a bit can steer a whole horse. In fact, I have a bit that a friend of mine gave me. It is sitting in my backpack in my car right now because I forgot to bring it up here, which is extremely gross. And there is... Uh, a rudder of a ship, very small. It can steer this whole massive ship, a very small rudder. In the same way, a small spark can set an entire forest on fire. Do you see what the scripture is saying? It's saying the tongue and what comes out of your mouth is of the greatest importance. Why? Why? Why is this the case? Why? Because really what comes out of your mouth, the scripture says, is an overflow of what's coming out of your heart or what's in your heart. What comes out of your mouth is an overflow of what's in your heart, and that's why there's so much power there. That's why it can steer steer you in different directions, because really it's playing to and showing what's happening on your heart. In fact, Jesus says, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So words reveal the heart. Words reveal the heart. And words have the propensity, and we see this in the Scripture they were all kind of negative. You're looking and it's saying, you've got to watch out because words are powerful and words can be very destructive. In fact, it kind of really focuses on the destructive aspects and how we as people have a propensity to use our words to hurt and to harm. And we see that in the scripture. Words reveal the heart. And we learn something as we look through the rest of James. We learn something of the condition of the heart as it is apart from God. We learn something of the condition of the heart when we look at the potential harm done by the tongue. When we see what the tongue is capable of, we can see something about the condition of the heart and how we have to keep the heart in check in order to keep our words in check. We see this in verse 6 through 8. But first, Matthew fifteen eleven, we see the harm that can be done with words Verse 11, this is Matthew 15, verse 11. Jesus says, What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. Verses 18 18 through 19. But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these defile them. And this is where we learn something of the condition of the heart. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, and slander. These are what defile a person, but eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. So there's something about this condition of the heart. There's something that's inherently wrong with us as human beings that our heart is messed up. That's the word I used earlier. It's a simple word, messed up. And because of this, our words tend to have this power and they can really do a lot of harm, just as a spark can set a whole forest on fire. Chapter or verses 6 in James 3 goes on to say of this potential harm that can be done from the mouth as it results from the heart that's messed up. Verse 6, the tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and 
is itself set on fire by hell. Very strong language. All kinds of animals and birds, reptiles and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. Wow. It's kind of, kind of harsh, kind of sobering on a Sunday morning where we're just singing, Oh, happy day, and we're together and we're laughing about my proposal. But there's something that needs to be said here. We need to listen to the scripture here. We need to be aware. And you know what? I think you in this room here and I, as I was studying here, know this to be true. Know that I say things all the time that I regret. I say things all the time that come out literally as poison. And I think to myself after saying it, really, was that even me? Could I even have done or said what I said? And some of you have been the recipients of that. You've been the recipient of words that have crushed you, that have hurt you. And some of you are still harboring a lot of hurt because of these words. Do you see the importance of words? Do you see the importance of how it can affect a person's life or change a person's life? Some of the harmful speech that we have to be aware of that's talking, that the scripture is talking about in James chapter 3. Thoughtless chattering is some of the words. This is all biblical language here. Thoughtless chattering, which is not weighing the potential of your words. Destructive words that pierce like swords. When I think of thoughtless chattering, I think of, wow, just like it's saying, thoughtless. I just didn't even think that through. Like I say it and it's like, oh, just come back because that did a lot more damage that, than I thought it would. You know why? Because I wasn't thinking. Lying, arrogant boasting, and gossiping. There's an old saying that goes, as you know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. But one commentator put it, far easier are the wounds caused by sticks and stones than the damage caused by words. And you know this to be true. You know this to be true. And the scripture wants you to be reminded of this truth. Blisters, faith in action. What are some of the fruit that are supposed to be coming from a life that is changed by God? It's supposed to be godly, life-giving words. Don't underestimate the power of your words. We talk so often that we forget how powerful these words are. They're powerful. They can change the course of a life. They can harm you. can harm others. And speaking out of a heart unchanged by God is going to hurt others and yourself. It's no way to live. And you know this. We, we know this. We know this without the Bible. People who are out to destroy people with their words are miserable, are miserable people. Selfish, arrogant people. It's just no way to live. Like, you don't need the Bible to tell you that. You can witness it with your own eyes. There's a lot going on there at times, you know, why people say that. But still, we see how a child is changed by a name or a stereotype that is said to them. I see it all the time. I work with 10th graders who are at risk for failing in a school and they live up to these words that they've been told by distant parents or uncaring friends that they're worthless. It changes a life. And when you see people this way as well and when you talk this way to people as well, you get changed as well. And, And just as a rudder or a bit in a horse's mouth, you get steered in a way that is un is very destructive for you because it was not how you were meant to live. It's not how I was meant to live. And we know this to be true because of the scriptures. Speaking out of a heart unchanged by God is going to hurt others and yourself. It's no way to live a good life. Why? Why? Words create, 
Words create reality for people. And you know this to be true. Like I just mentioned. You tell a kid that he's, he's worthless, he's going to believe it. It's going to create that reality for him. You tell yourself that you're worthless, self-fulfilling prophecy, you're going to believe it. Words are destructive, they're powerful. And that was not how you were meant to live. You were not meant to be spitting poison and throwing words out like swords piercing into flesh. You were supposed to be designed, and you are designed, to speak godly, life-giving words. And we know this because in the beginning, God, Genesis 1, in the beginning, God, he spoke. And when he spoke, things came to life. Reality was created. And you know what? It was good. When God speaks, it's good. What a good God. His words create reality. And it's good. It's a good reality. And we were, the scriptures say, created in the image of God. So we are supposed to join him in his work that when we speak, we are giving life and is filled with godly language that is to build up people and is supposed to give good credit to God as we are made in his image Words create, and we were designed to create good with our words as God's image bearers. That's in Genesis. But still, even with a heart that has changed, we still have this issue. We still have this issue where our heart goes back to its roots, so to speak. Even when it's changed by God. If we get off the mark a little bit, if we, if we kind of move our eyes from the fact that our words are powerful if we get off of that fact and we allow ourselves to kind of stray away and we let our words kind of go unchecked and we start to move in a different direction, this still happens as Christians. This still happens. So that's why we're talking about blisters, faith in action. We've got to keep a rein on these tongues. We've got to keep a rein on our words. We've got to keep in mind the power that is associated with every single word we have and how it creates reality for people. And it's going to be destructive if it's not kept in check, if it's not kept in line with a heart that's changed by God. But we still have this propensity as human beings, even as Christians, to say things that we regret to say and say destructive things. In fact, the scripture goes on to say in verse 9, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, and you need to hear this. My brothers and sisters, you need to hear this. What are these four words? This should not be. Should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produced fresh water. He's saying this should not be with your words. You're like a tree was filled with the life of Jesus and you're supposed to bear some fruit. You're supposed to grow some fruit and it's supposed to be godly words. Words that are coming out of your mouth are giving life to people and they're, they're showing people who God is and his love and it's building people up as a Christian community, as a Christian people changed by God. We should be known for our life-giving good words. But we have this issue we have this issue of falling down and, and talking and saying things that we wish we wouldn't say and it being destructive. And this is a real problem. This can be a really, really big problem. Jesus said, but I tell you that everyone will have to give account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words... 
you will be acquitted. By your words, you will be condemned. It's heavy. I'm purposefully being heavy here because the scripture is heavy. The scripture is heavy on this topic. And again, I think we know why, because we have seen the truth of this. Whether you're a Christian or not, you have seen the truth of this. You have seen how words devastate. You have seen how words create reality for people that is destructive for them. And for yourself. If we're going to be judged on what we say, wow, I can tell you I am not talking to talking down to you. I talk a lot and I've said things that have crushed people. I've said things that have crushed me as a result of what I've said. I have been a recipient of harsh words. I know I'm coming and talking to you as someone who has studied this and who has gone to this sermon series and has prepared this sermon and was challenged beyond all measure because of this. So what are we to do about it? This is a real problem. Remember, Jesus said, I tell you that everyone will have to give, on, give account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words, you will be acquitted. And by your words, you will be condemned. And this is a real problem apart from God. This is a real problem apart from God because of sin. What the Bible calls sin. Sin is a real churchy word. It's a word that means an other than godness, a other than goodness, an other than righteousness, an other than God. Because God is perfect. God is perfectly good. He's perfect. And when he's so perfect, when you're not perfect, he is so perfect that you can't even be connected to him because he's that good. And you have to admit that if there is a God, whether you're here and you believe in God or not, you have to admit that there, if, if there is a God, you would want him to be perfectly good. And he is perfectly good. The scripture says he's perfectly good. But that's really a problem for someone who's not so perfectly good or who has this problem in their heart and when you're talking and if it witnesses uh to your heart and an issue there if you say words that are ungodly that aren't life-giving then you aren't falling in line with how you were created to live as an image bearer of god and this is a problem this is a problem if you want the fruit of godly life-giving words you have to get to the life of the tree This is where I want to turn the curve a little bit here. You see the issue? You see the issue? Even as a Christian, you're sitting here and you're like, wow, this is, this is heavy. Like you just, I just read Jesus' words to you. We're going to be judged on what we say. But I know, just as you know, we mess up and we say things that we wish we wouldn't have said. So what are we to do about it? If it reveals a condition of the heart that is a part, uh, that is still a little uh, apart from God, if, it, if, if there's a, a heart issue there, if that's what the scripture is saying, I said something and there's something messed up with my heart here, what am I to do about that? What am I to do about that? But ah, there's nothing you can do about that. There's nothing you can do about that. But there is someone and there was someone who can do something about that. In fact, the scripture calls Jesus the divine word of God. The word-bearing flesh coming. The very life-giving word of God coming in a culmination of God-made man. It's a mystery. It's supernatural. It wigs us out. But the scripture is true and it says that he came and the word took on flesh and he lived among us. And the Bible says that there's nothing that we can do about this tongue issue. No one, the scripture says in James 3, can tame the tongue. But Jesus came. Jesus came and he was the perfect man that we couldn't be. 
There was this sin issue, this ungodliness issue between us. It was harming our heart. It was apart from God. And as a result, it affected our speech and it affects our speech. So what are we to do about it? There's nothing we can do. Jesus said, you know what? I'm going to do something for you about it. What I'm going to do is, the Bible says that if you are apart from God because of sin, the penalty of that, now remember because he is perfectly good, the penalty of that, and this makes sense, if he's perfectly good, is death. And not just a physical death, but a spiritual kind of death, which is more harming. It's a separation from God for all eternity, which is a separation from all that is good, all that is loving, all that is merciful, all that is good for you as a human being and human flourishing, all that is just for all eternity. It's a really big problem. It's a really, really big problem. The penalty of this sin condition of the heart that is evidenced by messed up and non-life-giving and destructive words The result of that is supposed to be this death from God. It's a real big problem. But Jesus, Jesus, he came and he did what we couldn't do. He lived the perfect life. And he took the death that was the penalty for our sin. He took that himself. And he took on all of the sin, all of the brokenness, all of the messed up parts in the world. Every single one of you, whether you believe in God or not, he has done it for you. It's available for you. He did it for me. That's why I'm standing up here right now. And he died on a cross, dying the death we should have died. But death didn't win there. He went into the grave. And the scripture says three days later, he rose again. And you know what? He conquered sin as a result of it. And he also created a way where he can change your heart, which will also change your words and start living as image bearers in this world to create life and godliness through your words. What a good God. What a good God. And when we hang on to Jesus, when we hang on to the way he has made, and when we mess up and our words don't reflect a heart that truly has been changed by Jesus, what's the first thing we are to do? Is to go to the heart. To go back to the throne of Jesus. To go back to the truth of what he has done for you and for me on the cross. And there you will find, there you will find the perfect balance of life within the tree that produces fruit. There you will find the correct motive to go about wanting to talk to people in the way that they ought to be talked to. There you will find the power, and this is very, very important. There you will find at Jesus, at the feet of Jesus, in his word, in his words, who he is, what he has done for you on the cross. There you will find the power to speak in a life-giving, godly way to people when you know it is difficult to do it. Think of that person at work. Think of your kid when they just said something they really shouldn't have said. There you find the correct desire to do it, to speak the way you ought to speak, and to produce the fruit you ought to produce. It's now motivated by love for others and a love for God instead of a love to gain God's acceptance because then you're getting in the realm of the legalism we were talking about. You try to do this apart from God, you will be crushed. It's impossible. It's impossible. Think of all the life situations, and you're still going to mess up. You're still going to mess up. But it's only here at Jesus that you can really take on your responsibility and privilege, privilege, 
to live as God's image bearers and to speak words of life and godliness. So once you have found this place at Jesus' feet, once you have found this realization and, and have submitted your life to Jesus and you say, God, Jesus, you are my Lord. I see what you have done for me on the cross. I see that you have created a way for me to be good where I could not have done it myself. There you gain this wisdom and understanding as a result of submitting your life to God. Scripture says, turn the page, in Proverbs, for the Lord gives wisdom, from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. When we allow God to change our hearts, we receive a supernatural wisdom and an understanding. And once you're there, once you are there, once you have seen the power of words, once you have recognized that these words have a real big potential to harm more than to do good on our own. Once you see your own messed up heart and you see what Jesus has done for you on the cross, and once you see that you now have a correct motive to move forward in speaking godly, life-giving words, and once you see that you have the power to do so, then, then we can let Scripture speak for itself here. Then we can let Scripture speak to itself here. So if you are here and you're there, and you're there and you're with me right now, Listen to what the scripture says. Let's let it speak for itself here. Who is wise? This is verse 13. Who is wise in understanding among you? Among you, Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. That's where we're at. So what's the thing to take away. What, what, what are we to get from this? Watch your words. Watch your words. Watch your words to make sure that you are living as an image bearer of God, that you are living the way you are to live as a Christian whose heart has been changed by God. Watch your words. When you watch your words, you also learn something of the condition of your heart as we have seen in Scripture. Watch your words. Where are you at with God? Watch your words. How are you doing with your relationship because it's a relationship with God? Watch your words. Watch your words. Christian, is it godly and life-giving? Are your words live, lively and life, godly and life-giving? Are you first and foremost telling people this should be what flows off your lips more speedily than anything else, really, is are you telling people about literally life? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Are you telling people, if we are, as image bearers are to be speaking and creating a reality that is good and that is life-giving, then of course we have got to be telling people about life, which is Jesus Christ. Don't you see that once you notice your heart is messed up, then you can't help but see that what Jesus has done for you literally, and this is why they call him your Savior, has saved you. 
you now have life in Jesus. You've got to tell people. You've got to tell people with your words. It's very specific that you're sinful, that you're messed up, that Jesus did something about it. Very specific. It has to be done with your words. Are you witnessing? Are you telling people about Jesus? Be mindful of your speech. Is it pure? Is it peaceful? Is it considerate? Is it full of mercy and good and sincere? Watch your words. If you are here and you aren't a believer, then I want to tell you that you can join in what's happening here. You can join with all of God's people and assume your role in God's kingdom as his image bearer. That's how you were created to live. People forget that they were created in the image of God. Therefore, the way that God has called us to live is the best way to live. It's the perfect way to flourish as a human being. I use that word all the time whenever I preach because it's just a perfect word for what God has for our lives is to flourish. And it's crazy because flourishing may not mean like living in a mansion somewhere on the, you know, Tahiti or something. You can flourish, and you only see this in Christianity, you can flourish in prison cells. You can flourish in the midst of being persecuted for your faith. You can flourish everywhere, and it's only because of Jesus. You were meant to live this way, I'm telling you. Give it a shot. Give it a shot. All you have to do is to recognize the condition of your heart. I've done it. I do it every day. I cry out to God every single day. Every single day I say, God, if I am left on my own, I am dead, and I'm a mess. I need you now. I need you today. Always, every single day. So I'm not speaking as a hypocrite here. I'm saying, join the family. Join the club of hypocrites. Here we are. Give it a shot. Watch your words. Here's what you need to know. It's fruit. It's fruit. Here's what you need to know. It's fruit. Fruit doesn't grow instantaneously. If it did, man, that would solve a lot of problems in the world. It's progressive. That's why I believe Scripture uses botanical kind of imagery in the Scripture. It's something that the Spirit chips and, 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 and chips away your heart and changes you, and it's a progressive kind of thing, you know, to, to start speaking these life-giving words, but you best always come back to the foot of Jesus. Therein lies the answer where you won't get crushed trying to do this on your own, but you'll actually have the power and you'll have the correct motivation and love to do it if you come to the feet of Jesus. Try to do it apart from him. You're going to get crushed. Be aware going to be crushed. It's impossible. Scripture says it's impossible. You can do it. Experience this blisters, faith in action. Let us work. Let us work tirelessly, rooted in Jesus and deep-seated in Jesus and what he has done on the cross to speak words that are lively, life-giving, and godly. I just want to leave you, Christian, with the one scripture we already read to walk out of this place to know that you can do it, that Jesus has created a way for you to do it, that you ought to do it. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praising and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. This should not be. Blisters, faith in action. Let's go show the world Jesus with our words. Let's show this world that this church, Universal, is going to speak and build people up and point them to life and godliness with our words. Let's pray. Jesus, what a challenging text you've given us 
to talk about today. We thank you. Oh, we see the importance of our words. We see the plan that you have for us with our words. And as your image bearers, I pray, Jesus, that you would give us the strength, give us the power to be able to do what you have called us to do. We rest in the fact that we know that you wouldn't call us to do something that we couldn't do with your help. And with that being said, Jesus, we thank you for what you've done on the cross. We thank you for doing for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. And as a result, we want to worship you with the words that literally come out of our mouths when we're speaking to others. We want to be your image bearers in this world and not destroy and mar that image. We love you. We thank you. Help us. Convict us today. Help us to leave this place not tripping lightly over our words, that we would be thoughtful and that we would be intentional with what we say and that you would receive all the glory as a result forever and ever and ever. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.